Hello and welcome to another episode of the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host Richard McKenzie out of the greater Cincinnati area. Yes, it is at recording time of this we are still in winter and it's probably about 25 degrees outside and I'm going to be talking about a recent inspection that was done during winter in rain it was cold nasty and so forth and this episode comes to mind a line from a movie that i saw many years ago and i'm not going to say the name of the movie but i'm going to say the quote as well as i can do it Sir, sir, would you like a wafer? It's just a tiny wafer. I'm full. I can't eat another bite. But, sir, it's just a tiny, very tiny wafer. Tiny wafer. So, in Cincinnati, we have lots of hills. And some people can't take another hill. But what if it's a tiny hill? Just a little tiny hill, innocuous hill. Hills need to be managed. Um, I'll just say that... Um, Cincinnati is the city, they call it the city of seven hills. I don't know who's counting, but I think they have a counting issue. Maybe perhaps they are math challenged and dividing by zero. I don't know, but I think there's way more than seven hills in Cincinnati. They might be named hills and maybe there's neighborhoods built on them, but it seems like everybody has some sort of wavy road that eventually has a driveway that has some steepness to it, and there's a house built across the street on the downslope and the hill or excuse me the house across the street from it is built on the upslope so we do have hills and cincinnati is what you call a young river city what does that mean well it sure doesn't mean that the houses are all particularly new you have a lot of new neighborhoods and new houses here and there but the houses tend to be a little bit older you know some of them upwards of 120 years or so that being said, what I am talking about is that the river itself is young in geological terms, okay? And people don't realize this, but Cincinnati has a whole lot of landslides. We have a whole lot of mud, a whole lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of factors that contribute to that. So you want to manage any hill that you have where your residence is, uh, if you can manage the hill. And another city that has a whole lot of landslides is Pittsburgh. They've got the Monongahela River, the Allegheny River, and the Ohio River, and they all converge at that point park. And if you look up one slope, they've got two inclines going up hills and so forth. So they have they have hills also. Very similar to Cincinnati in age, very similar in geographical makeup, uh, except we weren't, I don't know, we weren't smart enough to keep one of our inclines for tourist attraction, which they, they have two. Maybe they wouldn't mind parting with one since we definitely have a much superior football team to them at this point. I'll just make that uh, really clear. Um, and we're going to be back real soon at the Super Bowl, I'll just say. Okay, I have digressed and derailed my train. Not that that would ever be the first time me, of me doing that. So I'll get back into the home inspection mode. For this inspection, this was a, a really nice house, very architecturally nicely designed. Um, and it was in a more of an upscale neighborhood. And um, the house was uh, or is on a 
bit of a incline upwards so the backyard is higher and you can climb up the backyard a little bit and have good views of the roof so the, the most important thing for this house is to manage the off the the water as it comes off of the slope in the back and so i spent a considerable amount of time and the uh, uh of doing that and the buyer was the family was involved with um they are general contractors and very good at it and very good at managing hills and managing mud and and other other uh, uh, areas of drainage and construction and and so forth so uh, it was a good experience uh, the house i think inspected quite well uh, it was well built and is well built and uh, th the main thing was we we did encounter some cedar trees that are too close to the house that really do need to come out we also encountered a lot of honeysuckle on this hill behind the house, and that needs to come out. Honeysuckle is an invasive species, um, according to the Department of Agriculture for Ohio. But, but, but the deer love eating it. Yeah, but it's like eating potato chips to deer. It's crap. Nothing grows under it. It just adds to mud. Uh, vines don't even, you know, English ivy or euonymus and periwinkle and these other ground covers and, 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 and what's another one? Pachysandra, there's another ground cover. These things don't do real well around honeysuckle. In fact, nothing does well around honeysuckle except deer. And there's better things for deer to eat anyway. Honeysuckle is just crap. It was probably one of those stupid bushes brought over uh, hundreds of years ago on a ship somewhere, uh, much like the... Um, kudzu that was brought over another brilliant idea to bring kudzu over um kudzu is what the national plant of interstate 95 i think it covers half of interstate 95 if you look uh, if you if you've ever driven on it look to your left or right you can't see any trees it's all it's all kudzu um so at any rate uh, honeysuckle needs to come out maybe some more ground cover some more english ivy needs to be planted on this hill some good grass uh, if those cedar trees are taken out, then then that will actually provide a good some good sun uh, ability uh, for that to to allow grass to grow. Okay, this and this inspection was during a lot of rain. We had a lot of melted snow uh, prior to this. Then we had the rain, uh, so even the pictures have uh, have some fogginess to them. Some raindrops on the lens and. Um, not snow, but definitely rain, and it, it provided for an interesting experience and uh, a good experience, I will say. I love talking about drainage. I love talking about managing hills. One of the things that we noticed was that the deck on the back of the house is real low to the ground, and I was able to get a picture underneath it, and the grading underneath it was relatively flat. What we don't know from the current buyer at this point is, is there a French drain system underneath that deck wrapped around the house to allow water to drain away from the house i think there probably is but you can't prove that unless you pull off several of the uh, deck floorboards and go underneath and, and dig down and see if there's a french drain in there i will say it didn't appear to be any pooling rain uh, i think some more and, and i'm going to say that this hill was probably no more than a 20, maybe 30 degree slope upwards. Okay, so it wasn't one of these extraordinarily steep hills. 
but it is going to take water off of the hill and if the dead center of the back of the house is is where you want your highest point so water can shed to the left and to the right that's really what you want it to have happen you don't want that water to get anywhere near your house so managing it is the way to go and giving it a path of least resistance on the right side of the house looking towards the house there was a cedar tree that needs to come out definitely about a 40 year old cedar tree maybe uh, maybe 30 but probably 40 probably planted at the time the house was built house is 36 so i think i probably nailed it as far as the age of the tree uh, that being said the water from the rain formed a trickle little stream but it really wasn't in a swale which is a shallow ditch on the side of the house on the right side if that tree is gone you really can trench that out maybe put some rip rock in there to give it a path of leaf resistance so it doesn't cut a slot into the yard and then at the front of the house guess what in the road was a nice convenient catch basin in between the driveway on the right and this driveway really perfectly well placed in between the two yards to take the offloading water great way to get that away from the house on the left side was a um, river rock staircase um, going upward of course and this the stairs were pretty well stable there was one rock in there that was loose I, I thought could be repositioned to to so nobody trips and falls it's really hard to put railings on stuff like that but it really would be better to have a railing um, but you also had a set of stairs going up to the house so do you really absolutely need to put a railing on there it probably would look bad but for safety reasons it would be better <clears throat> um, the water on the left wasn't as managed as the water on the right um, that could probably have a swale cut on the left as well, and that would not be a bad thing. Some of the railroad ties that were used to step the hill, create gardens and retaining walls in the back, had some rotted areas. They probably are 36 years old too. What is the lifespan of a tar-infused in railroad tie, which I guess is redundant because railroad ties are tar-infused? Uh, I don't know, but... At 36 years, some of these did have a couple of uh, rotted ends and looked like they were starting to deteriorate. And I'm sure they have a lifespan of somewhere in there. So you do have to replace them once in a while. Uh, I do probably expect that the buyer of this house and his family are very well equipped and very well versed at uh, doing hill improvements. And uh, you could even cut part of the hill out and give it a f more of a flat backyard and remove some dirt. That, and then put a couple of French drains in there, and the water that comes off that hill will probably never, ever come close to the house, which would definitely be the objective. All right. And uh, this house was also sided in uh, brick veneer and T111 wood siding. What is T111? T111 is machined plywood, basically, that has vertical slots every several inches and has a texture to it and needs to be well painted well sealed to keep it from rotting this was 36 years old and there were several places on the house including some of the cedar drip edges over some of the windows that need to be repaired and replaced 
meaning some of the wood definitely needs to be replaced in, in several areas. Hard to really inspect that on a rainy day. Visibility was pretty tough. In fact, driving over to the inspection, I encountered some pea soup sort of fog, and I knew that was going to probably uh, make, the, uh, make the inspection rather interesting. However, some other stuff going on here. Um, there were definitely some English ivy vines up against the house. These things really should be torn out except for the last, or excuse me, torn out against the house for at least 36 to 48 inches. Keep that away from the house. And if you pull them up in mud like this, really wet, guess what? If you take out that honeysuckle, okay, which actually you brush on the stumps after you've cut it with some Roundup concentrate. I know that probably set off some alarm bells with some people. I'm, I'm not going to say yes or no on, on Roundup. I, I don't really have an opinion, but I do know that the Ohio Department of Agriculture guy did tell me to use Roundup concentrate, okay? Um, I would have thought he'd probably be very much against it, but neither here nor there. There are other products you certainly can use to brush those onto the stumps, and those honeysuckle will die off and not grow back. Um, what I do know is the English ivy and periwinkle and euonymus vine growing in this yard all can be pulled up and shoved into a nice wet mud on the hill, and it will take root. The stuff is really going to take off and provide good ground cover and hopefully hold that soil in, in, in well. And if those cedar trees are taken out, and I think there was three or four of them in the yard that definitely need to be removed, you can put some other trees in there with some smaller root balls that stay away from the, the house. Um, pecan tree, probably not a good idea. I think some of the cherry trees are smaller and those, those can be used, but if you consult with your local nursery, find out what size root balls you want to deal with, I'd probably get something that doesn't make a bigger root ball than, say, 15, 20 feet, because you don't want these things getting close to your house. And the rule of thumb, remember this rule of thumb, folks, if the branches overhang the house from a tree, the roots are probably under the floating concrete slab, okay, under the footer, under everything. So that's something to think about. Keep your trees far enough away per the nursery's recommendations or, or the Department of Agriculture in your state if you want to use their extension service and get your money's worth because your tax money is paying it already. Go ahead and ask them questions. They really like uh, giving good advice, okay? They really do. On the right side of this house, there was one gutter downspout that was dropping water right there near the garage. That's inexcusable. On a downhill, you really want to take that gutter downspout extension and put a 25-foot extension on there of the black plastic solid 4-inch tubing, a.k.a. tile, and definitely take that water way away from the house and put it closer to the street catch basin, otherwise known as storm drain. Call it whatever you want. The proper term, believe it or not, that the Department of Transportation uses in your city is a catch basin. So that's the proper term for it. So I talked about the siding. I talked about the, the brick and the, and the T111. Now, there must have been a lot of leftover brick, or the builder took some of the brick that he meant to use for the house, or maybe he actually meant to use it for the wall, 
And this house brick was used on retaining wall areas and decorative walls around the house. It's really not meant to be in the direct path of water pounding on it time and time again. On the side of your house is one thing, but on the top of a wall, when water's going to sit on there, brick will get soft of this kind. It's not meant to have water stay on it. You really needed a different type of hardness brick, and I'm not sure what the proper one is, but if you talk to any uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, Menards, etc., one of these home suppliers um, or brick <clears throat> company that sells bricks, they're going to tell you what type of brick to use for a retaining wall, and it's definitely not going to be house brick. So there was some crumbling uh, brick that was uh, needed to be dealt with. There were a few little shrinkage, corner cracks, um, odds and ends like that. Nothing really alarming. Uh, we did have some windowsills that were also wood that really needed to have some attention. Um, but on the outside overall, <clears throat> not, a, not a real big problem to have to deal with. I think things were in pretty good condition. Siding was probably the worst thing, the wooden siding. However, again, we really had a good day to inspect this house because in the middle of rain and after melting snow, you get a real good idea of what's going on. And in the basement, I was very happy, very impressed to use my moisture meter on all the basement walls. And they all tested about 8 and 10%. And I really got those pins in there to get a good reading. Um, I was very happy to have tested and seen that the moisture levels in the basement walls, especially the back wall, okay, did not really have any issues. That made me very happy. Um, there was a real kind of an oddity in the garage. The, the garage had this one little side alcove room that was not heated and it would, didn't have a door, yet it had a water main in it, the disconnect, with a gate valve and it had pipe insulation around it and this also used to be in the basement okay so they actually um, discontinued the previous water main for whatever reason um, and moved it to a different location and this room really should have been heated because that's really where you're supposed to have a water main. You're not supposed to have a water main in an exposed, unheated area like a garage, for example. Um, some older houses may have them in garages and they're grandfathered and, and, and that sort of thing. But you really don't want to have this outside in an unheated area, even if it is insulated. So that's probably something that needs to be solved. Um, I'm looking during the inspection for any settlement in the house, cracks, drywall cracks. There were a couple of very nominal ones, and these were near skylights um, and door frame, but not anything near the center where the uh, roof pitch meets, like on the second floor. Didn't see anything weird in the attic. Uh, didn't see any foundational cracks. Of any concern so really the house doesn't appear to be moving doesn't appear to be under any formidable stress from the hill uh, and that le leads me to believe a stronger case that I think that there's probably some good drain work including of course the footer drain and the footer drain is only 36 years old so what are the odds of that being collapsed and and and, and uh, 
clogged up. Hmm, pretty low, pretty low. And that will even be better once those cedar trees are out of there to possibly have roots that interfere with that. That would be another good reason to have those trees removed. Attic was um, in decent shape. Really didn't have any complaints there. Uh, there was one place on the roof decking that could be repaired. Uh, when they cut in a ridge vent, the, the plunge cut that they made probably splintered and damaged a little piece of, of plywood, and that needs to probably have a little cripple stud put in between that and give it the support that it needs in case somebody ever is brave enough to climb on that Cape Cod-style roof, which was very steep, um, and during the, rain, during the rain as well. So I definitely did not get on the roof for sure. Um, and uh, the fireplace was in good shape. Um, it, it is a gas, non-vented um, fireplace, which actually could be converted back to wood burning. I will say this too. If, if somebody says, it's a high-efficiency gas, uh, gas fireplace, doesn't need to be vented. Unless I see something in writing, it's probably best to err on the side of caution and make sure you get that verified somehow in writing by somebody of authority before you make the assumption that you don't need to open your damper and you don't want to have carbon monoxide in the house and poisoning people. That's not a good thing to do. Um, moving on to a couple of other topics. Uh, this house had the wooden Anderson windows, good windows, uh, but sometimes even those little thin rope sash, sash ropes, sash strings, whatever you want to call them, cords, they... They do fail, and there was one room in the house where all three of the rear um, windows all put in this office, all three of them failed, and when you open the lower sash, it drops on its own. So that needs to be repaired. This owner had screwed shut some of the windows, some of the casement windows in various areas. That's not something you see every day. Um, <clears throat> and a couple of them were... I don't know if it was painted shut, screwed shut. It was hard to differentiate between those. But nonetheless, you could not open them. And I, of course, put that in the report for note. A lot of half-moon windows, stiletto pane windows, which are the long, thin rectangles. Um, no thermal seal failures whatsoever in this house. We did have some visibility on some of the um, framing, like the... the uh, Windowsills outside had good visibility on some of the minor deterioration going on in some of them. And we cer certainly, of course, noted that in the reports. In the report, um, there were several skylights at this house. None of them were leaking. We're looking for streaks inside the house to give us to, uh, a, a evidence of any leak. Uh, so there, and we did not see any in the attic area with the insulated skylight boxes uh, in the attic as well. So that was a good thing to note. And we always save the basement for last, and I'm kind of blowing through the kitchen. Um, ki oh, kitchen did have one observation, so I'll, I'll circle back here to the kitchen. The uh, refrigerator seemed to be a newer refrigerator, I say less than 10 years old. And it smelled when you opened it, and the door was ajar when we got there, so it already was partially open. It was set on 37 degrees, but it just really wasn't cooling. And again, it smelled. So something's going on with the compressor on that refrigerator, so we definitely put that in the report and flagged that as an item of repair interest 
for the buyer for sure. All right. Um, house is really a neat design. Had a aftermarket uh, Gen Air, not Gen Air, Jacuzzi rather, Jacuzzi hot tub put in on the second floor uh, for the master. And it basically was outside the master bedroom. So it technically was not part of the master bathroom because it was out on its own. Um, when you, if you are going to put a jacuzzi tub on a second floor or even on a first floor, this is something that you really need to take in consideration the weight of the tub when it is full. And can the house's configuration and structure support such an item? And if you have any doubts, it is really best to have a licensed structural engineer make those calculations for you first and have that in writing um, before you go and pay to have somebody implement that. Uh, you just really want to be safe that you don't cause damage to your house, for sure. All right, basement was last, and basement in this in this house... Again, we tested all of the basement walls. All of them really were dry, dry, dry. Very happy to see that. Um, electric had a couple of issues. You had a sub panel for the hot tub. And there were two breakers for the hot tub, which I found a little bit strange. Uh, typically, I would expect a 20-amp hot tub uh, pump motor uh, breaker, and that'd be about it. And in this one, there was no off switch. There was no GFCI uh, switch anywhere near the tub that you would stop the jacuzzi um, pump from running. There really should be. There really should be a switch. We tried every light switch in there, and, and none of them controlled that. So to ultimately, once you turn the breakers on and turn on the hot tub... You have to turn the breakers off to have the thing shut off completely. That's unacceptable. That's really got to be an on-off switch. Better if it's an on-off switch right next to a GFCI receptacle, not breaker, but receptacle in the general area, probably within three feet or so of the tub. All right. Um, there weren't many other items with the house. The garage, which was really at the lower level and could be accessed from the basement, that appeared to be in, in decent shape at all. Um, there was one thing for the furnace, which was in the basement, of course. It did have a fresh air, combustion air flue pipe in the attic, which, of course, is sheet metal. And then that went all the way back down from the attic, straight shot down into the furnace room. And that became your combustion air supply for the furnace. And sometimes <clears throat> those draw from the outside, but this one draws from the attic. And that is acceptable, especially when you have a metal door for your furnace room that really does not have a vent in it. Sometimes people cut holes and vent in doors and put a vent in to allow some combustion air to be drawn from there. But this is drawing it from the attic, and that's perfectly acceptable and normal. Uh, just just letting you know that. Both the AC and the furnace were 13 years old. And we, of course, in the middle of winter, are not going to be able to test the air conditioner, but we did test the furnace. It operated successfully, acceptably. It's of carrier brand, three ton, which is perfectly sized for this size house. And we always advocate people to get their furnace and air conditioner 
serviced every year. And I will even add, if you have a circulating, uh, um, uh, not you can't call it an instant hot water heater, you would call it an on-demand water heater, um, I would have those serviced every year too because most people are not going to remember to drain it and flush it um, because it, it, does, it does build up some calcium and mineral deposits that get burned on um, <clears throat> while it is heating up and before the water starts running through it, but the flame is going across it. So whatever moisture is in that, those pipes is going to be turned into almost instant mineral deposits, and you don't want those staying in your pipe because those, those can deteriorate it from the inside out. Hopefully that makes sense. So get your air conditioner, furnace, and your on-demand water heater serviced every year. And let's see, um, going through the report, and, and it was just a lot of fun. Um, the basement really had another strange area that was off of the garage that was not accessible from the other part of the basement, although I suppose a door could be cut into it. But it, it, it made into a kind of like a workout room. That was, that was kind of neat to see, a good use of some more basement space. And again, testing all the basement walls, none of them got above 12% moisture, and it really stayed in about the 10% range, which is really good. So... If you have a house on a hill, whether it is a tiny hill, manageable, um, if it's a hill nonetheless, think like water, folks. Think like water. You definitely want to find the highest place in the yard that in a heavy, heavy rain, where's water going to start? Follow that path. Where's it going to go? Does it have a place to go or is it going to back itself up on one of your foundation walls and really wreak some havoc that you really need to... To understand and deal with. Uh, for this particular house, I think the drainage is being held re, uh, is being handled pretty well, and I and I think some more things can be done to this property to make it even more so. So this has been the successful home ownership show with your host Richard McKenzie out of the Greater Cincinnati area, and we really do thank you for listening. <laughs>